This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Liverpool is famous all around the world as the birthplace of the Beatles, but it's something the city hasn't always taken advantage of. While there are plenty of places where fans can indulge their passion for the band, the Beatles Story Museum, the Cavern Club, John and Paul's childhood homes, to name a few, there is plenty more the city could be doing to benefit from the Beatles collection. Ellen is away this week, so it falls to me alone to introduce you to our two guests, both of whom have strong opinions on what Liverpool should be doing to draw tourists here and give them an experience they will never forget. Firstly, I met up with Liverpool native Kevin McManus, head of UNESCO City of Music, who is tasked with drawing up a music strategy for the city. And Alan caught up with Kenneth Womack, world-renowned Beatles authority and regular guest on this podcast, who was in Liverpool to give advice based on his own involvement in the Bruce Springsteen Archives and Centre for American Music in New Jersey. I'm Laura Davis, and this is Beatles City. So I'm here with Kevin McManus, who is head of UNESCO City of Music here in Liverpool and previously the curator at British Music Experience. Yeah, that's right. Hello. Hello. Thank you very much for coming in. Um, something that's cropped up quite a lot on our Beatles City podcast is the, this idea that people in Liverpool for a long time were not that proud of the Beatles. Um, and I know that the guys at the Cavern were saying that they would have lots of international people going in and they didn't necessarily have locals and that has really changed. Do you think that's that's fair? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, I I grew up, so I was born in '63. So, uh, and then my first big musical experience and passion was was um, was in Matthew Street, but it was punk with Eric's. And with punk, you, I mean, basically, you didn't like anything that wasn't punk. And I think uh, so. The Beatles were in that. And but yeah, I think just I think my generation, I I, I didn't buy a and I remember I'd never I didn't own a Beatles record until um probably mid twenties when I suddenly realised how great the music was. I remember buying buying all their CDs and, and like one by one and just kind of and loving it and, and then bands like, you know, local bands like the real people and stuff and then nationally others, you know, um were obviously hugely influenced by the Beatles and, you know, albums like uh, Revolver and Rubber Soul. I mean there's, you know, there was probably every, every band in every Liverpool band between about 1988 and um, 1999 was influenced by those two albums. Um, so it's, I think there was, I think there was really a period when there was a, there was a bit like their their old news and not really, not really ours. Cause I suppose because they did did leave Liverpool relatively early. So yeah, I think that's that would be a fair a fair viewpoint really. But you know, happily. It switched around. I think my my experience is probably fairly typical of it. Like, I I mean, I grew up in a house where there wasn't really any Beatles music around because my mum and dad were Irish, and the only the only music that was in the house was really old Irish rebel songs. So, um, and then when my my older sister started getting into music, it was things like the Osmonds and David Cassidy and 
basically to Rollers. So there was, I had no family, you know, legacy of Beatles fans or anything. It was, so I, I was coming to it. It, was, it wasn't really part of my experience until later on. And then it was a bit like, oh yeah, the Beatles, you saw the Hard Day's Night film and stuff like that, but you never really related it back too much. And so it was a it, bit of a has-been for you when you I think it, I think it, it probably was, and I think probably for a lot of my generation, you were just, you know, we were just born as the Beatles were, were taken off, and then so by the time they'd split up, we were, you know, five or six or seven or whatever, and then um, didn't realise the impact, you know, what the, like the world changing impact that they had at the time, because that was, we were, we were just like kid, little kids. Yeah, so why do you think that has changed? I think um, I think time always gives a, that's gives a pers- uh, some perspective because I don't. I mean, you, you can't have done the Beatles were a one-off. They were there. You know, there's still never been anybody with the success and uh, the impact that they had. You know, you know, you could probably argue Elvis Presley and for some stuff, but you know, the Beatles, one and with the like the. the the rock band really and because they were the only ones I don't think anyone got that until they they were still having that impact like tw- 10 20 years later even though they weren't there there was you know they left behind for such a short relatively short career they left behind an amazing back catalogue and I think once once years pass and then other bands come and go and you think and actually those songs are still amazing and you know they all went on to do really interesting stuff um, and I think it was it was that just a I think you can you, I think it's too easy to forget how how different the impact they had was and it was so if you lived through it you probably you were in it and maybe and didn't get it and then if you were straight after but it was I think for people like me and afterwards it was like like they actually came from here and they they basically changed the world and that's that is fairly staggering yeah. So when British Music Experience was brought to Liverpool, was that did the Beatles play a part in that? Yeah, and it when so when BME came to Liverpool, yeah, it was it was a uh, part of the reason there were other cities that that were in for it, and I know so it was set up by Harvey Goldsmith, like a legendary promoter, and when Liverpool threw their hat in the ring, he was really keen to bring it here, just um, for a few reasons, including the fact that the Cunard building space was amazing. The history of that building with with America, and obviously because of the the interplay and links between British and American rock and roll, so there was lots of reasons around Cunard. But the primary one was um, was the fact that yeah, you know, Liverpool was synonymous with British rock and roll, and still is. You know, the birthplace of the Beatles and um, the inspiration for so much more of of what's come after, not just in the UK but in in the US in particular. So. That was yeah. The the Liverpool was always was always the first choice, and then I think we sort of had to make a choice really about how much to make of the Beatles because obviously there's other Beatles attractions in the city, and it, um, so what we did, and I, and I think it was done quite cleverly. So there is some there is a Beatles part of their of the BME and their influences is. Is made clear throughout, but it's not o- it's not overdone. It's not just about the Beatles. I mean, there's that great um, you know, there's the door from uh, Apple in uh, Savile Row, and um, and then there's, and then just little takes, different takes on it, like the 
there's I, I work with uh, one of the fan club people. Well, I worked I, I worked quite a bit with the uh, with the amazing Frieda Kelly, like the Brian Epstein secretary and, and the woman yeah. who ran the Beatles fan club, and she's just one of the nicest people in the whole world. And um, so I worked with her a bit, and she didn't actually keep that much stuff or anything. So she put me in touch with another Beatles fan club secretary. I mean, again, chose the size, and they had because it got so big, they had regional fan clubs. So I got in touch with this marvelous woman in in Somerset called Rowena, and um, she gave me some of the original fan club letters, and it was just like just the scale of you know, and so, so we've shown some of them, and it and uh, memorabilia that could be with the first band really to commercialize their success so you know there's Beatles wigs there's Beatles glasses Beatles, Beatles plates Beatles cigarette ca- I mean Beatles everything you can yeah. think of and all I that was I was amazed by the amount of different things you all can that. do and then, but just, and then just the letters are like social documents like one of the ones that are in there that's displayed is from a woman saying I've really, I'm really sorry but I've got to give up my membership of the Beatles fan club because I've got married and my husband won't let me stay in it which is you know is a real social statement yeah, isn't it about incredible. the role of women in the 60s at that at that time like so it's um so we yeah we went with a slightly different angle and um and i think it i think it works you know there, there's there's lots of other great beatles attractions in the city so um i think the way we man- managed it was appropriate so you talk about the the fans do you think they were one of the first bands to really appreciate their fans and understand the importance of them yeah, and look, looking back, and again, because I've been lucky enough to to work with people like Frieza, you know, f- I mean, f- and the people around them wouldn't got it as well. Like, so Frieza tells great stories about how, you know, even when they was they were huge, people were still r- like writing, just writing to them all the time and requesting things like, can I have a lock of George's hair and stuff like that, or can I? Have? And Frieza used to like make sure they got it. She'd like she'd she'd go with like one of them to the barbers and get the hair and stuff or she'd like she'd go like to Ringo's nans and get something you know it was like and it was that and then yeah and stuff like I mean really nice things like um so on on the on the case that the Beatles doors uh in 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 the BME on the back of it we've put the lyrics to George Harrison songs Apple Scruffs so the Beatles uh, like affectionately called their fans who hung around the Apple officers Apple Scruffs because they were just there waiting on on the off chance that a beetle might turn up and they used to scratch messages into the door and that's so that's that's all there on the door now and i think that yeah they just they just um i think they did really value and it's probably a lesson for a lot of modern pop stars who who have that distance now who communicate via people who manage the social media accounts for them whereas the beatles thing was was really personal you know it said and i think I think the, from the little bits of now of, of George and stuff like that, I think they they maintain that throughout the life. I think that was just the way they did. And even when you see the George, the Paul McCartney stuff with um, Corden and all that, like you know, there's still when he's when people around, they engage and stuff. Yeah. A mate of mine who was a drummer in a band that I worked with many years ago, he had a flower shop on Picton Road, and uh, someone came in once and said, "George, George Harrison is outside." George Harrison was sitting outside in the car. He must have been visiting family or something around Victor Road. And he was just like talking to people. And my mate went out and got flummoxed and didn't know what to say except to, he said, George, I'm in a band too. <laughs> and George went, great. <laughs> <laughs> and signed something for him. But, you know, I think I think they did. And it's, it's probably to do with their backgrounds and, 
you know, people like Frida who were around and probably kept them humble and kept them in touch. And I think um, that is why. I th- and again, you talked about why people like them again. I think that looking back, people see that humility and the the sense of like or, or general like being ordinary, really, and going to like you know going to places that they knew around Penny Lane and stuff. And um, and I think that's all managed quite now well now with the houses and under the national heritage and stuff. You know, you can get a sense yeah. of what their lives were like. Yeah, it is amazing going into those houses because they're just they're just houses. Yeah, <laughs> and I they're they're incredible like pieces of social history, regardless yeah. of the people who live there. And I, I saw I was lucky enough to see uh, Paul McCartney do like um, like an interview with Mark Featherstone Whitty last year at Lippa, and um, he was like, and he was he was just he was it was it was really it was really impressive. Just like his presence is is is, is stunning anyway, and then um, even though he's very humble and. And he, and he just he just said something which like just really stuck with me. It's like it was like like how what's the odds against like like him, George, Ringo, John, like meeting up, mm. you know, the you know, three you know, the best bands ever and you know, great songwriters in there and it's like it's just I again it's I'm, I'm biased, right? I think that that is a very Liverpool thing that they that they come together like that and it's you know i think it's only later on when egos and things get in the way that it, it started to to fall apart you know but they were just four lads who who like make up music weren't they yeah i think that's what's so special about their story that it feels like it could happen to anybody because yeah. they just joined they just set up a band in the same way that so many other people have and yet it was that particular combination of personalities and abilities yeah i mean even, i say even from that interview even paul mccartney looking back was obviously going how did that happen? How did they <laughs> end up in the same band as John Lennon? And it's great that he's yeah, like still yeah, reeling. It was in that it. sense of it, it was that and and just uh, and little bits like he said. I think it was one of the students asked a question about like how many songs did he throw away, and he he basically said, "Do you know what? We never." He said, "There was only one time that we struggled, and it was like he said um, we just couldn't get it, and then we went and had a cup of tea, and we come back and fixed it. It was he said it, that was back in the USSR." He said, otherwise, it just, you know, uh, Brian would ring. He said, Brian, Brian would ring up and say, right, you're off for the next two weeks. Uh, write the next album. So, like he's saying, you're off, but write the next album. He said, and we just, we just thought that was normal. And we just go and write songs. And it's like, I love that again, idea of them going off and just having a cuppa and that making, yeah, <laughs> fixing no, it the was, problem. It was just, and again, it's, yeah, it just, he's just said, and, and then the fact that he can just throw in, oh, that was back in the USSR. It's like. <laughs> Yeah, you know, which people would give the right arm to write a song anywhere near. Yeah, uh, so um, there is, you know, whatever way you look at them, there is something, something really special about them. I mean, and they've just got songs for everything. I mean, I, I was involved in doing the Hillsborough stuff um, a couple of years ago after the inquest verdicts, and I just uh, picking music for it, and it was like um, as the young players were coming down the steps of St George's. To put the right, put the candles down. I just put um, got them to play in my life, and it's just like it was just really fitting, and a song that's recognised across the world, and they just they've just written that many great songs that fits, you know, and there's a song that fits every occasion. Yeah, yeah. So, do you think? I mean, you talked a bit about you. You see them as kind of a Liverpool thing. Do you think they needed? That it could have only happened in Liverpool. How important is Liverpool to their story? Uh, I'm biased, but yeah, I think it's only I think it's very much um 
a, a Liverpool story. I think it's it's you know when you look at their family histories and Irishness and you know the Liverpool tradition of storytelling and singing in the house and in the pub and stuff like that and um, and that sort of um, you know sort of skitting your mates and which comes across in the films and everything as well, isn't it? I think that's only and the challenge in each other on the song right never. I think there's I think there's a very it is very much it's a Liverpool, it's a working class thing, it's a, it's to do with the port and the records that came in and the, that sort of seafair and, and everyone knew people who worked on the docks and um and that just that Liverpool, you know, let's let's do it now because we might not have the chance tomorrow. And I think that's yeah, I I think I think it could only have happened in Liverpool and I think if there if there is ever anything like the Beatles again, which is you know highly unlikely, but I think you know there's there's probably only Liverpool that could come from. I think it's still Liverpool still got that sort of unique feeling about it, and music is sort of like like the real lifeblood of the city still, which you know sounds like a bit like grandiose and stuff, but it, I think it is. I think it's definitely part of. What every everyone's everyday life here, unlike other cities. Mm. Yeah, I always love the image of, and 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 there was one in in Paul McCartney's living room, the piano in every in every house. Everyone everyone had a musical instrument at home. Yeah, and and that and that tradition of everyone having a song or whatever, which you know, the same mum and dad were Irish, and there was a thing there where you had to you had to be able to perform. There was no telly, you know, and um, you had to have something. So if you couldn't sing, you told a story or your poem or something. And I think. Yeah, they came very much from that same tradition, and yeah, most people did have pianos in the house, no matter how small the house was. Um, and just that, yeah, and just a, a a feeling that you could do it as well. I think they, you know, it's um, yeah, I think and you know, the opportunities offered by um, going to Hamburg and stuff that probably wouldn't have happened if they were in Liverpool. It's just um. A unique set of circumstances that could only happen here, I think. Do you think that? Do you think we've done them justice as a city? Uh, I think there's probably a few answers, and the answer would be no. Initial, initially, certainly not. I mean, knocking down the cavern was, uh, you know, that's not justifiable in any in any way, shape, or form at any time. Um, but and then I think. You've got to give a lot of credit, actually, to the likes of Bill and Dave initially from the cavern. Um, they you know they're the ones who who rescued him in 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 a way. I think um, I think to to be the city didn't really know how to a, a guest in the city then didn't know how to commercialise music or uh, or the Beatles in the same way that probably the football club didn't know how to commercialise the success of the football club. It was this was new. Um, and so for a long time there wasn't there wasn't anything, and, and there must have been tourists wandering around Liverpool, working out, struggling to find out what they could, how they could pay homage to the Beatles, because there wasn't, as far as I can remember, there was never anything that said, you know, this is where the Beatles did this or whatever. There's very little. Um, so I think that I think that, I think you've got to give Bill and Dave a lot of credit, and then other people like you know National Trust for doing their stuff. I think they the cities and and agencies like Market and Liverpool then then did 
get the importance of it and worked really well with the likes of the cavern and I've done a lot since then to 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 you know to to make the offer a lot better and if you're if you're a visitor to make it more obvious. So I think um I think we've we're finally getting there. It's taken it's taken time. But again we're not alone in that. I, I remember hearing um someone from Memphis, the head of Memphis Tourism or convention saying basically when they opened Graceland um from recollection it was it was basically to try and get some of Elvis's extended family out of the house because they'd just all been living there rent free since Elvis died. And then um, they, so they thought they would open it up as a tourist attraction. And they th- they thought basically every Elvis fan in the world did leave it open, did have it open for a year, maybe eighteen months if it if it needs to. And then Elvis would be done. Everyone would have. Everybody was wanted to see. Underestimated that. So didn't it, they? yeah, no. So I think it's again, it's it was new. It's a new. There was no, there's no heritage really before the Beatles and Elvis. Is there? There's no, you know, was it, you know, the first ones where I think where people they're now celebrated. Uh, you know, um, Buddy Holly. Um, but beyond that, I can't think of, of much in that only. So that's only coming later. So yeah, I think everyone who had was lucky enough to have an asset like the Beatles or Elvis didn't really know how to exploit them um, or celebrate them because it was new. Um, I suppose tourism, in a way, is relatively new especially for a place like Liverpool I mean now it now it's this huge yeah, yeah. economic driver but it probably wasn't seen as I think that people, yeah no and again I think people forget that when I was growing up I can't think why anyone would have come to Liverpool sadly you know other than uh, um, Beatles fans who might have come and then would have struggled to find anything to celebrate really um yeah you know people have People now travel from all over the world to go and see the football club. You know, when I started going to match when I was eight or nine, it was everyone was probably within a couple of miles radius of Anfield. Um, so yeah, Liverpool wasn't. You know, there was only from what, from memory there was only the Adelphi Hotel. There was nowhere for people to stay, so there obviously wasn't any tourists. So yeah, it is. It's a different world, but I think I think we are we we as a city are are have been much better at it. Um, and luckily, there's been some great partners around who are, who are also doing great stuff because it shouldn't just be about the city doing it. And you know, some of their, I'm sure some of their, their the highlights for tourists are when they bump into people who've actually who went to the cavern or who knew people from the Mersey Beach scene or whatever. And again, that's a very Liverpool thing. Um, you know, people will talk to anyone, won't they? Yeah. I introduced someone, uh, uh, an American a- academic. I introduced him to Frieda, and it was the highlight of his. And Frieda being Frieda, had a had a old Beatles fan club, set of photos in a bag and give him a signed George Harrison photo, and it was like wow. he's going to go home and tell everybody. How he, and then he went to the to the Latham in Seaforth, where they have the Mercy Beat nights on a Thursday, and met a bunch of people there, to, like Frieda Tuckham, I think, and it was like that wouldn't happen anywhere else in the world. It's that Liverpool openness and friendliness and willingness to share and. I think that's what people will walk away from Liverpool with as well is that you know, yeah, they've been in the cavern and they've, you know, they've been to different tourist attractions around the Beatles, but they'll have you know they'll have met a taxi driver who's who was George's second cousin or whatever, and they'll have you know they'll have, <laughs> everyone's they'll be, got a connection. Yeah, so and and they'll have, and that's but that's what will that's what will stick with them, won't it? It's not not just the the fancy that you can you know you can get online anyway. Yeah. I think yeah. it's that Liverpool. I like that idea that it's about the people and not just about you're not just seeing the Penny Lane sign. You're meeting some of the people. No, I remember there's the a, a, someone I know did walking tours of Beatles stuff, and 
I don't know if he's still there. there was, until recently, there was a tailor there over the road who who did suits for the Beatles and all that, yeah. and just he was still here doing that and it, like making suits. And you're not going to get that anywhere else in the world. Where and, and you know, people generally do have those connections, don't they? They knew someone who knew someone, or they were there, or um, it's not that big a city, Liverpool. So you know, so a lot of those connections probably are genuine. Although I'm sure some are a bit exaggerated. <laughs> Yeah. I have no collection whatsoever other than I've been in the same room as McCartney once or twice. <laughs> That's not bad. Some people would some people would swap yeah. you out, I reckon. Yeah. So how does this all fit into um Liverpool's status as UNESCO City of Music? Uh, it's obviously we made a lot of it when we bid for it and it's there it's it's we we've gotta be, you know, I think we should never underestimate the gift that we've been given, the Beatles, the world's greatest ever bands were from here. So I think that is a massive part of it. It's, you know, it, it drives tourism, you know, the, the economic impact report that was done said it's responsible for over 100 million a year um, to the to the city and, in, you know, um, leads to loads of employment for people. It's great for image and perception of the city. So it, it, it drives loads, of, you know, it brings, you know, hundreds of thousands of people here and it's really good for the city's economy, but it's also like it's an amazing thing to be associated with. So it it's so, so it's it's at the heart of the bid and heart of what we're taking forward. That is that we have got this unique and amazing musical heritage. But the you know the other part of it as well is is celebrating what we've got now. It's not just about the past because we have got some you know since the Beatles we've had you know I've, I've been through you know four or five different scenes since. Um, I got into punk music and stuff, you know, and there's great bands coming through at the moment. There's great clubs, you know, great night, night, uh, great club music, great venues, just great loads of great musical stuff happen. So I think we have to we have to be careful to balance it with the current offer because again, I think our current offer is as good as you know, in terms of festivals and uh, club nights and live music and stuff is as good as anywhere anywhere else in the UK. So we need to be we need to be celebrating that and getting people to come for that as well as as the as the Beatles heritage stuff it's a it's a brilliantly rounded offer because we've got you know we've got the heritage which is which is never going to go away and which is huge and will remain huge I'm, I'm sure but we've also got lots of interesting stuff happening which to be honest is 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 also part of the Beatles legacy I mean the the Beatles as well as not just being the world's greatest ever band and greatest ever songwriters but also really innovative and creative. I mean, the recording techniques, the stuff they all went on to do after the Beatles, you know, they, they were, that's like, a, again, that's really what Liverpool should be celebrating, the, the innovations and, the, and, and the, the creativity that they just seem to be innate to all four of them, to be honest. It's they just, you know, we look at what George did afterwards, what, you know, what John did, and they're all just, they, all, they, were all, they were all musical geniuses in their own right. Yeah, and when you go when you go abroad for for work or not for work, yeah, how do you think people perceive Liverpool now, and do they still very much associate it with the Beatles? Yeah, I think it's it's comes yeah wherever you go, whether it's with work or whether it's just on holiday and stuff. Yeah, it's it it is sadly I know it's a cliche, but it is. Well, I am a Liverpool fan, so I am going to say this, but it is it is always the Beatles and and the football, Liverpool Football Club that are there seem to be there. What people recognise us for, and it's, it's again, it's a, it's a brilliant, what a, what a great opening to have anywhere in the world. It's but people still, 
people still do want to talk to you about the Beatles. It's and and again, it's um that's a, that's a brilliant thing to have. Really, it's not. I, I can't see why there'd ever be an issue that it's. Um, I can see Evertonians having a little having a little bit of grief with the Liverpool bit of it, but um, the Beatles bit is you know it's 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 a great icebreaker and a great a great um, into any any territory in the world really. Do you have a favourite Beatles song? Um, favourite ten Beatles songs? Oh God, yeah, it, it probably changes every week, but I, I have got a soft spot for uh, in my life. I think would be would be the one um, or. Um, Girl, I think is a great tune as well. But yeah, I mean, uh, there's, there's there's a million, isn't it? Whenever whenever I look at them, because I've got most of them on CD now rather than vinyl. Whenever you look at them, you go, God, they did that. I forgot. I forgot that one. And it, there's just there's over there's just that many, isn't it? It, it is. Every, every, You're every, discovering them even now. You do like and and you know their reissuing and repackaging can be seen as you know, commercial exploitation, I suppose, but. It does give you a chance to, uh, to go to rediscover them and stuff, and you know, and, uh, yeah, I have phases where like I'll, you know, revolver. I think revolver is is probably my favourite, and then I'll then I'll end up playing the white album for something, and then going back, and then you start playing rubber soul, and then and then I think I remember having an argument with uh, Steve Levine, um, who's a producer of Steve Levine, producer, and he was very insistent that uh, Abbey Road was. The best, the best, best Beatles album ever. And I think he got quite upset when I challenged him on it. And, it's <laughs> like, and that's the beauty of the Beatles. You can all have your own favourite song, your own favourite Beatle, and your own favourite album. And, and I think we're all right. You know, there isn't, there's no wrong with that, is there? This is a, a cultural mega centre, and not enough people know about it. So yeah, it, that's what it's all about. It's all about tourism and trying to get people here and bring the money in. And h- how do you think we go about that? I think we need to get a lot better uh, in two ways. The first would be social media, which is driving people places, finding out how to get to your audience. Our audience for artists like the Beatles and Bruce Springsteen is mag- massive, as we all know, um, but we don't always get to them. So using social media and other means to get them and then help push them to great content, which of course you get splendid content here in Liverpool. I think it's some of the best in the world at this point. Um, you have, what, 30-some restaurants just within half a mile, maybe less, a, a quarter of a mile of the Albert Docks where you have the Beatles Story Museum, the Museum of Liverpool, etc. What we all need to learn to do is use social media to drive people, and this is part two of that point I was making, to the places where the content is. Because a lot of people are missing out on these amazing experiences, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sometimes hard to find if you don't know what you're doing, and I feel like we all need to do a better job of of giving these kind of great experiences to folks. So yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Actually, what do you think Liverpool does well in terms of drawing tourism here and what do you think we need to, we need to work on? Um, I'm gonna flip it. Um, not that I wanna be negative, but I think the first thing that Liverpool needs to learn how to do is get people as they get off the train. Um, you know, you get off the train in Liverpool Lime Street and you're sort of just roaming the streets. Um, uh, you might have to rely on a cab driver or uh, someone else to help drive you toward Beatles content. Um, 
Liverpool does need to learn how to be much better at that, you know, at grabbing you as soon as you get off that train and making you feel welcome. And, and I would say the same thing, by the way, about Liverpool football, which is at this moment in time, just about the same level as the Beatles in terms of drawing people up north, right? Yeah. I mean, it is a, it's a worldwide phenomenon. My students in New Jersey know about the Liverpool Football Club. Think about that. Five years ago, that would not even have been possible. Uh, for them to think in those terms. So I feel like Liverpool needs to grab you when you get off the train and then be ready for business. So um, I used my connections to build uh, those opportunities for my students that I just described, right? Most people don't have those. So, mm -hmm. uh, and you sort of have to crowdsource your own kind of relationship with the city. I think the city needs to get a lot smarter about how it connects with people through tourist relationships as I'm trying to build with cities like Asbury Park, where you build content and you drive people there. Um, you probably fall in, run into this all the time like I do, where people say, um, wow, I, I can't believe you had that thing last week. Why didn't I know about it? Yeah. And I hear that all the time and it drives me nuts because it means we didn't push our social media or our PR tentacles, if you will, into their world. Um, and that always drives me nuts. So I, I feel like Liverpool needs to do that. On the flip side, Liverpool uh, is the most welcoming city in the world. Uh, folks here will do anything uh, to help you out. To They'll practically walk you to a place you need to go if you ask for a little help. Um, the, the restaurant culture that's been built here, particularly around the dock and through Liverpool One, is second to none. You know, um, you can be between here and the Hard Day's Night Hotel in what, eight minutes? Uh, on foot, and that's accounting for lights, right, to get across the big streets. But, um, you know, the Liverpool uh, warmth of the people is extraordinary. And they're proud of their city. They're proud of uh, the football club, the Beatles. Um, they're still a little mad at Ringo <laughs> for remarks he made some years ago. But even Ringo, they'll adore and love. Um, it's just a matter, I think, of making those connections uh, that we're all still learning how to do. Yeah, do you think we make the most of the Beatles? No, not, not at all. Um, and you can see that when you travel around. You know, those sites should all be mobbed. Um, you know, the boyhood homes, uh, the church hall, uh, all the very, very important sites. Um, the one that kills me is the Casbah is pretty quiet. Now, a lot of people go to the Cavern, but of course that dovetails with the nightlife of Matthew Street. Um, but I, I could say the same thing about a lot of cities. Um, you know, 10th Avenue and East Street is a central place for the East Street brand and Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. People aren't necessarily going there either. You know, so it's the same kind of challenge we all have uh, to drive uh, users toward the content, and then more importantly, I think, at some level, to give them curated content, right? So when you get good uh, tour guides and folks like that who know what they're doing, that makes such a difference. And we don't, you know, I'm not saying we do it any better, we do not. Um, I think it's a challenge for almost everybody. So you think it's mainly just stuffing it in people's faces, really, and really publicizing it as much as we can? I think it is, and finding new ways into uh, to getting to the people who care about our content. 
all of us who have email addresses, which is everybody, um, find that at a certain point, people are starting to send content our way, right? So they're probably 20, 30 acts that if they go on tour, I'm at their show. They have figured that out and every time they go on the road, I'm getting something. I think we all need to start being better in that way. I'll give you an example. We held a White Album conference last year at my university and it was extraordinary. Um, I, I'm, I don't think I'm bragging too much when I say it's the best of its kind. I don't think, I've been to International Beatle Week, I've been to Beatles Fests in the US, which are the sort of blue chip kind of opportunities. Mm -hmm. We blew those away. We had better music, um, we had very curated content, we had a thousand people show up. And Liverpool, obviously, it's not just about the Beatles. We just have a really great music heritage. Just, how do you think we tackle that? Because there may be some lesser known names than the Beatles, which we maybe wouldn't be able to promote as much as others. How would you go about that? I don't know how I'd go about that, but I'll say this. Um, Liverpool is a city that you should come to anyway. Mm -hmm. Forget the Beatles. Forget Liverpool FC, right? This is a great town. This is a town that is very comfortable. It's easy to walk. It's beautiful. The weather is, uh, most of the year is mild. Um, some days it's murder <laughs> as the cold cuts through your body. But a lot of the days it's actually quite comfortable. So it has a great climate. The Wirral Peninsula is beautiful. Um, it has a, a, a beautiful um, coastal setup here on the docks. People should come here anyway. The music and the football is wonderful and the Beatles obviously are a, a global phenomenon that are eclipsing history but this town is just great by itself. If you're enjoying Beatles City, please remember to subscribe, rate and review it on your favourite podcast app. Join us next week when I'll be speaking to Giles Martin, son of the legendary Beatles producer George.